Welcome back to God Books. Today, I want to share books-related news that caught my eye this week and that I hope you'll find interesting. And then we'll move on to review one of my favorite books of the past years. So let's get started. First, an article I read in the BBC talks about Somali women breaking tradition to write novels. Now, for centuries, Somalia has been known as the nation of poets, but this tradition has largely been the preserve of men. It is quite unusual for Somali women to be the primary storytellers, yet this is exactly what is happening, especially when they live abroad. And one of these storytellers is Ali Farah, who says this is because they have more space outside Somalia to pursue their literary ambitions, unshackled as they are from the cultural expectations placed upon them in a male-dominated society. Now, this made me think a bit of what would happen if girls and women everywhere were encouraged to write. Because after all, Somalia is by no means the only male-dominated society. Ali Farah's first novel, Little Mother, published in 2007, centers on two female cousins who are separated and eventually find each other in Europe. She explores questions like, what happens when everything you're born into has been destroyed? What do you do to root yourself again? What do you do to survive? The author is now in Palermo to promote her new book, La Stazione della Luna, Phases of the Moon. You can read more about her work and new book in the BBC article, which I'll link in the show notes. Now, speaking of women in literature, a woman won a million euros Spanish literary prize. But then it turned out that she was actually three men. <laughs> Maybe it won't surprise you to hear that the work of one woman was, it turned out, the equivalent of the work of three men. So we're talking about Spain's top writer of crime thrillers, a professor and mother who wrote under the pseudonym Carmen Mola, supposedly to maintain her anonymity. But at a recent ceremony to award the 1 million euro Planeta Literary Prize to Mola for her historical thriller The Beast, three men ascended the podium and claimed the award instead. The trio, all TV scriptwriters, said they chose the name by chance and just for fun, without paying any particular thought to the gender of the name or the possible implications. One of the writers told Spain's El País newspaper, I don't know if a female pseudonym would sell more books than a male one. I don't have the faintest idea, but I doubt it. We didn't hide behind a woman, we hid behind a name. Now, others disagreed, so the whole thing is now slightly controversial. And I thought this was interesting, as the pen name has been one way that many female authors throughout history have tried to level the playing field and get their voice heard, or rather, read. And there are plenty of women who have paved their way through literature under the guise of male pen names. Here are some uh, famous ones that, I'm, that I think you might be familiar with. Amantine Lucille Aurore Duvedan Ni Dupont. Doesn't sound familiar? Well, that's George Sand. Then there's Mary Ann Evitz, who you might know better as George Eliot. Or more recently, the female duo Meg Howry and Christina Lynch, who are writing under the pen name Magnus Flight. They wrote City of Dark Magic and its sequel, City of Lost Dreams. And they said, we had both read a raft of articles talking about how men don't buy books written by women. Now, I certainly hope that's not true, but you can see why this is controversial. It's interesting that we have an example of men writing under a female pen name and actually winning an award for it and claiming that, well, they actually had no idea that this might affect sales and they didn't even think about it. I'll leave it at that, but slightly controversial. Next up, we go to Israel for more 
controversy, two of the biggest bookstores say they are no longer selling works by Irish author Sally Rooney after she refused to allow an Israeli publisher to translate her new book into Hebrew. Now, you may have heard about this already as it was also a big Twitter event, but essentially Sally Rooney said this was in support of calls to boycott Israel over its policies towards the Palestinians. And the move by the bookstores follows a backlash against Rooney's decision. So the bookstores, uh, Steymatsky and Tomat Sefarim, said they would remove Rooney's books from their branches, their 200 branches, and their online sites. And they do this because Rooney had turned down a bid by Israeli publisher Modan for the rights to translate her book, Beautiful World, Where Are You? She said that while she was very proud that her two previous novels had been translated into Hebrew, for the moment she's chosen not to sell these translation rights to an Israeli-based publishing house. A lot of people got involved in this debate, even Israel's diaspora minister, Nahman Shai, calling the cultural boycott of Israel anti-Semitism in a new guise. Rooney said it would still be an honor to have Beautiful World Where Are You translated into Hebrew, but it has to be by a company which shared her political position. And finally, before we go to our book review, I thought I'd share with you a list of lists. So a few friends have asked me recently what to read. Autumn and winter are good times to cozy up with a book, but which book? So LitHub has taken a mathematical approach to this conundrum, and they compiled the ultimate fall 2021 books list. How they did this is by looking over a total of 36 other lists, which together recommended over 400 books being published this autumn. 77 of these 400 were recommended at least three times, and that's how they made it on this final ultimate list. So I'll just tell you the top five and I'll link the article so you can check them all out. So top five, we have Colson Whitehead's Harlem Shuffle, the just mentioned Sally Rooney Beautiful World Where Are You, which by the way we reviewed on a previous episode if you want to check that out. And then we have Lauren Groff's Matrix, Anthony Doerr's Cloud Cuckoo Land, and one that I'm particularly excited about, Jonathan Franzen's new book, Crossroads. That's it for the news today. Now let's chat with Daniela Barani about a great book. Hi, Daniela. Thank you so much for, for joining me today on God Books uh, for, for a book review. Let's start with uh, an introduction. Maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much for inviting me to this. It's a wonderful idea and it's a real pleasure for me to take part. I am Daniela Barani. I grew up in Great Britain in London and um, I've lived all over the world and I'm currently living in Italy at the moment. And um, since I lived in Italy, I started this book club, an English book club, because for many years I was also an English teacher. So the love for teaching English, for speaking English, and mixed with my love for reading, because I've always been a big book lover, I decided to, to start this book club uh, in, uh, in Italy. It was actually January 2020, which was not probably the best time to start, because then obviously uh, by March we were in a really hard lockdown in Italy. But we continued our book club, we moved it on to Zoom. We have a great group of people who join me every month, we get together. And the books that we're discussing this month is A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Towns. And that's the book we're going to review together today as well, right? Well, mainly you're going to review it. I'm going to try to remember it from uh, two years ago or so when I read it. But uh, yeah, let's get into it. Tell me why you picked this book for the book club and what you love about it. 
Okay, so yeah, this is the book. So this wonderful book that um, that I read, I actually read it as well last year. So I've been waiting for a while to to do this book. So I'll just give you a very brief summary of this book without giving away any spoilers, but just a very brief summary. So this book starts, we start in 1922 and we meet Count Alexandra Rostov, who is an aristocrat in Russia. As we meet him at the beginning of the book, he's actually sentenced to a life imprisonment in Moscow. So, you know, it's 1922, we just had the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia. The aristocrats and the nobles, many of them were sent into exile, many were sentenced to death. But the Count Alexander Rostov avoids the death sentence because in 1913 he'd written a poem which was in favor of the revolution so he's actually loved by a lot of the people the, the communist party at the time they decide not to sentence him to death but they decide to imprison him for life but in this hotel and they tell him that if he ever ever leaves the hotel he will be shot dead so that's how we start so the count goes back to the hotel this luxurious beautiful hotel in moscow he was staying in a gorgeous suite, but he gets moved up to a tiny room in the attic. A lot of his um, possessions are confiscated. And the whole story is about his time in the hotel. So, okay, it doesn't sound like the, the most exciting book in the world. You've just got a man in a hotel for the rest of his life. You know, what makes it so special? So I'll just go into some of the, the reasons why I really love this book. So first and foremost, the Count is an amazing character. I mean, he is an aristocrat. He's a erudite. He's a poet. He's very funny, very witty. He is a gentleman. You know, he's kind. He has the kindest demeanor. He has so much respect for every single single person that he meets and uh, you know he treats everybody with respect even though he comes from this you know noble family he makes friends with the chef the waiters uh, all the people who work in the hotel he's just such a positive person even though he's been given this terrible life imprisonment you know this man that is used to traveling around the world he'd been to Paris he'd been all over Europe suddenly you know his life stops and yeah, even in the midst of this, I mean, he does have some moments where he gets depressed by the situation, but most of the time, he's so positive and he's so he's so full of light. He's an incredible character in this book, and uh, he really shines this bright light. In fact, I think one person says of him, you know, you always see the best in people, and he does. He's one of those positive people that you just wish was your best friend. The hotel as well, interestingly, almost becomes a character as well. So this beautiful, luxurious hotel set in Moscow. It's a kind of hotel that we can, even if you haven't been there, you can imagine it. So it, it reminds me also of, you know, I don't know, the plaza in New York, the Ritz, um, these very grand beginning of the 19th century hotels. It becomes a character because over his years, he discovers hidden places. He discovers little details about the hotel that generally you wouldn't see when you're staying in a hotel. So it almost becomes a character as well. And so, you know, we're drawn into the hotel. We're drawn into this small microcosm of life. And also there's a lot of really interesting characters that come through. So friends, lovers, a small girl who plays a fundamental role. But again, I'm not going to give away any details because I don't want to ruin it for anybody. So you're in this really difficult 
difficult situation. You have the communist revolution and the Soviet Union that's going on in the background. And yet, in the midst of all this, the Count is able to find pockets of joy and pockets of uh, love. Uh, there's a brilliant scene where he and the chef decide to cook a meal, a very a particular meal. They're running around trying to find the ingredients. And obviously, because of the Soviet rule, it's difficult to find a lot of products, but they're able to put together the products and they cook this fantastic meal. And such a simple act becomes a, a moment of joy, of uh, sharing, of these beautiful relationships that are created. And I think this is, for me, the main reason that I loved this book, because I discovered this book in March 2020. Italy had just gone into this really hard lockdown due to the COVID pandemic. Italy was one of the first European countries to go into lockdown. We had no idea what was happening. We had trucks as soldiers, unfortunately, taking away truckfuls of dead bodies. Um, we're all closed in our houses. And, and difficult for Italians as well, because Italians love to go out and socialize. And it's a very open, wonderful country. And it was incredible because I found myself in a sense in a similar situation and I found myself doing the same things, you know, so food became really important. Preparing a cake was uh, the, the highlight of the day and sitting down with my family or my neighbours would go onto their balcony and we would go onto our balcony and we'd eat together. This was particularly at the beginning of the, the lockdown. So you had a lot of these kind of situations that I saw reflected in this book. Uh, so the Count was uh, finding these moments where very small details became very, very important and very beautiful. And so this was the reason I liked the book. The other reason as well, because so obviously this period in Russian history was a tumultuous period. There was a lot of change. The Russian Revolution, the Soviet Union, Stalin came to power. It was a very difficult period for the Russian people. And it's touched on in the book. <clears throat> it's never really explained in detail because obviously Count Rostov cannot leave the hotel, but we do get tidbits of information. So, you know, we know of um, one of his friends who gets sent to one of Stalin's gulags, uh, or there's a Bolshevik spy who's in the hotel as well. So these details, these difficulties that the people are facing in Russia, they do come out in the book and you're able to kind of see what's happening in Russia without it being, you know, a big description or a, a negative description. You do have this balance between, in a sense, the Count, who is this person full of light and positivity, and in the background, you can feel like the hardship and the difficulty that is happening in the country. So I, I thought this was wonderful. But the ability, you know, human, our human condition, no matter what is happening around us, we do have the strength to go on. So we adapt to, to our situation. And I think that the COVID showed this to many of us that, you know, if you'd have told us in 2019 that we would all be locked in our houses and you wouldn't be going out, I think everybody would have been just like, oh, that's ridiculous, you know, um, there's no way I would go mad. And yet we adapted. And I think that this book does reflect our ability to adapt to even the most difficult situations. And if you can find positive in that situation, 
then your life becomes worthwhile. And I think this is one of the big messages from this book. In fact, one of my favorite quotes, I wrote it down, a very simple quote. He talks about luxury and he says, a life without luxury can be the richest of all. So it's not the expensive bags and the stuff that make life special, but it's the small details and the relationships that we have with people that make things special. The relationships that he forms, that's the other big part of the book. So he meets a lot of people, his friends come to visit him, he makes new friendships. And these friendships, these human connections that he makes help keep him sane they save him at times and they help him find his purpose in life, which again was another link that I found with the COVID situation. Friendships, family, just be, we, 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 I really understood, I think many of us understood just how important relationships are. And this book is, you know, a shining example of this. So yeah, that's why I love the book. Yeah. That's a great summary without giving too much away of the book. And it's interesting because I had not thought about this connection between what the book is about and what the, the lockdown taught us. But you're definitely right. I think so many people change their minds about what's important during this period. And most people have turned to relationships, as you said, and to the things that maybe to the small things like cooking a meal with their family or even by themselves. And fewer people have decided, oh, no, what's really important is that I own more things or <laughs> I buy more clothes or bags or whatever. And um, tell me a little bit about the, the writing, the, the style in which the book is written, because that's also very particular to, to this author who, by the way, now has a new book. Did you enjoy that? Did you enjoy his, his language, his use of the language, how he describes Russia not being Russian? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. That's a, that's a great point. Yeah, so his writing, I thought his writing was beautiful. The descriptions were incredible. I felt like I was there. I felt like, you know, when he describes uh, the food that he was eating, I felt like I was eating it myself. And um, the characters, the way they're, dis they're described, the hotel, it's very rich in descriptions and it's captivating from that point of view. There are a lot of footnotes as well, which was interesting. So he adds, adds a lot of details, a lot of notes. It could be a criticism. Some people have said to me they found it a bit distracting, the footnotes. I actually really enjoyed them because it kind of made you move around the page and look around. So I actually thought it was good and they added a lot of extra details. So I really enjoyed his style of writing. As you said, you know, he's not Russian, he's American. Interestingly, as well, I saw an interview with him. He worked for many years in the finance business, a completely different world. Uh, he said that he'd always had this dream to be a writer, but obviously, you know, he decided to take it away, a safer, a safer path. So he went into finance, banking, uh, worked there for years and years, and then suddenly decided that he'd had these ideas to write books. And he suddenly decided to go for it. And and but it, it's so interesting because maybe that does influence him. I'm not sure, you know, the attention to detail. I don't know. I never saw any of that in his writing. Um, I just think he really captures human nature perfectly. I can imagine he's a person that studies people's characters, looks at them, tries to understand and analyze people. 
And I think he captures this beautifully in the writing. If there is a criticism I can make of the book, and it's not really, I mean, the only thing I can say is maybe at the beginning it starts a bit slowly. So the first chapters are a little bit difficult to get into. And a few people have said this, you know, in my book club, they said as they read the first few chapters, they're like, mm, not sure if I like it, it's a bit slow. But once you get over the first, say, chapter or two, he really picks up the pace. And even though nothing happens because we're in this hotel, so much happens and the pace is brilliant. It's when it needs to be, it's so funny. And, you know, I laughed out loud at moments. At other times, it's heartbreaking that make you want to cry, almost the relationships that he has. So now I really, really enjoyed his uh, writing. And this is another thing that's come back from my book club is that many people have said, you know, once they've gone past the first few chapters, then they say, you just can't put it down. It's that kind of book that you just, you know, you want to find out what's happening next. But without being melodramatic, it's not a thriller. It's not one of those books where you're desperate to find out, you know, who's the killer or who's this. But his writing style, it just really draws you in without you even noticing. You feel like you're part of that group. You feel like almost you're, you're friends with that group. And you're just, you're just desperate to find out what happens next. So yeah, absolutely fantastic writing for me. I don't know, what did you think of the, the writing? Do you remember? I know you said you read it a while ago. What did you think of it? I remember because I don't remember all the details of the, of the plot. I remember that it's kind of static in the sense that, you know, you're not uh, chasing people around Moscow or anything because everything happens in, in the hotel. But I do remember the sensation the book gave me, the feeling of warmth and the kindness that he, as a character, as the main character, that he kind of puts out there and so that I remembered feeling very good while reading it either because it was funny or at times as you say quite quite heartbreaking but very very well written and I had read that he takes his time writing novels that after he wrote this one I think in 2016 he was asked okay when is the next book coming out because this one was so successful and he had said well it takes me about four years to write a book so <laughs> it'll be a while and maybe that contributes to this you know having the necessary time to give all the attention to detail that you mentioned which I'm sure has something to do with his finance background it must because all the words seem so carefully picked and it's it's really beautiful writing I agree I saw that as well he in an interview that he said he did take as he said he took three years to write this book and he spent most of those three years in a hotel so definitely you know he definitely emerges in himself in in his writing did he spend it in the in the hotel in, in Russia or was it a different I think it, I, you know I don't remember because I saw the interviews I think it may have been in the hotel I'll look it up and I'll let you know but it may have been in the hotel but then yeah it does come across you know obviously yeah. as you said by taking your time he's able to focus on all those small things that generally we don't notice or we take for granted and especially as he wrote it before the pandemic because I think now as you said as well, many of us pay more attention to small things, to details. We're not so interested in buying, 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 but look, we're more looking into things. But, you know, it's brilliant that he wrote it, as you said, in 2016, before the lockdown. He kind of put himself into self-imprisonment and um, it, is, it is excellent. I have bought his new book. I haven't started it yet, but I'm really looking forward to reading it. 
I'm curious what, what you think of that one. I haven't started it either, but I had uh, I have it on my list. It's a very big book, so it feels like to be ready for it. <laughs> Me too. That's why I was thinking. Yes, okay, I'll get there. <laughs> Thank you so much for for this review. Just out of curiosity, do you already have your next book lined up for the book club? Have you picked it? Already? Yeah, we have. And can you tell us? Yeah, sure. So for December, I chose a book that's called Wintering. The writer talks about her experiences in winter. We tend to look at winter as a bit of, um, you know, sometimes a bit of a, a depressing period. It's a bit negative. We're all in our houses. You know, summer is all joyful and beautiful and happy. And the winter tends to be this period of retreat. But she actually talks about how this is positive for us, how we need a, a period of retreat and almost hibernation as we go into ourselves and find ourselves and take pleasure in, um, again, in small things, in a cup of tea, in finding our friends and and so forth. And then the, the most amazing part of the book is that um, she lives in Great Britain and she starts going cold swimming. So she meets up with a group of women <laughs> and uh, they go, I think, once a week and they go swimming in the freezing cold sea for just a few minutes but she talks about how invigorating this is and how it makes her feel alive and stuff and the way she describes it is fantastic I mean I almost felt like doing it I haven't got <laughs> I haven't got around I haven't got the courage yet but it's just it's such a nice book for winter so that's our that's our next book that sounds like a great book to read in, in the winter. Um, yeah, in Berlin, where I am, winter is very tough because there's not much light and uh, it lasts pretty much forever since <laughs> it starts in November and I think it finishes around March. So it's uh, it's a nice well, book to read, maybe to give us some hope that there's something to do during this time. So, so there we go. We have two book reviews, a bonus one <laughs> on top of The Gentleman in Moscow. <laughs> Uh, thank you very much for, for that, Daniela. And um, yeah, we'll we'll follow your book club. Would you like to say a little bit about your book club? What is it called? Can people find it online if they want to? Yeah, so the book club is called the Albion Road Book Club. Um, Albion Road was the name of the first place that I lived in as a child in England, in, in London. So that's where the name came from. I'm on Instagram with Albion Road Book Club is my Instagram handle. I post a whole load of stuff about books, bookshops, because I just love books. But there are reviews views there are questions my book club at the moment is we are doing it in person but if somebody would like to join us I'm sure we could I could send out a link and as we're at the cafe together if somebody wants to join in they're more than welcome it's in English it's open to everybody it's just a moment where we share ideas and talk about the book and stuff it's very very relaxed and a lot of fun I'll, I'll link that in the show notes as well so people can find you easily and yeah, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us today for God Books. Tune in again next Friday, this time for a conversation with a book publisher. Until then, sit back, relax and enjoy a good book.